Welcome to Southfield. It's good to be here with you today. I'm so glad that we can worship our God freely in this place and uh, with people that we really like. So it's good that you're here. Um, I'm not sure how you feel about change, but any change that I'm not in control of, 
I don't really like that much. <laughs> I don't like when my kids grow up and they get older and, you know, just, I remember one year I had a really big problem when my in-laws got a new car. I was like, wait, what? I'm not used to this. I like the old one. Why are we changing and moving ahead? But I know that it is necessary. However, there is change that we don't like. And what's good, what's really good to know and to be confident in is that God never changes. He always stays the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And his love for us never changes. And that's just so good to know. It's good to hold on to and grasp and embrace and live um, holding on to that truth. And it's also good to know that, you know, there are so many things that will fail us. I mean, that's not good to know. But it's good to know that although there are so many things that will fail us, people or situations or experiences will let us down, it's good to know that God will never fail us. He's always with us, and he's always right by our side. And another truth, too, is just it is so good to know, and it's comforting at times when we see this world just almost circling out of control, that God is still holding on to this world, and he's holding on to each and every one of us. Yeah. 
thank you, Father, for this great love that you have for us. We stand here humbly before you and just ask, who are we, Lord? Who are we? You are the creator of this great universe. You have created each one of us cell by cell, Lord. You know everything that goes on in our minds, Lord, in our bodies. You make the trees um, bloom and the flowers bloom and you just, you're in control of everything, God. But we know that you love each and every one of us. And it does matter, Lord, if we praise you or give you glory. Lord, we know that you, you love us with a passion, Father, that drove you to offer your son as a sacrifice for our lives. And we thank you for that. God, we ask today that you would speak to us, Lord. Change the direction, Lord, that our lives are headed in if that direction isn't towards you. God, alter our paths, Lord, so that they are glorifying to you, Lord. And may we live to be more like Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Great to see you this morning. As you woke up, you were wondering, should I wear a sweater or put on a coat? Kind of chilly. In the meantime, there are almost 20 of our gang that are down at Daytona Beach right now. And they're not wearing coats. They're enjoying some warm. Uh, we had our students go on a, on a prom alternative, spend some time together, uh, not only enjoying some fun, but also uh, learning some valuable lessons about what really makes us valuable uh, in the eyes of God. So you'll be praying for them. They'll be, they'll be flying back tonight, getting in nice and late, and they have to be at school tomorrow and get ready to go all over again. So if this is your first time with us today, we're really glad to welcome you. On the inside of your folder, there's a, a card. We'd like you to go ahead and fill out as much information on that as you desire. And then as you're walking out today, right out the door, as you see a banner there, and it says, for our guests, and on that table, uh, there's a book by Josh McDowell that talks about who Jesus is and the difference he makes in a person's life. So uh, if this is your first time, first time in a long time, we'd love for you to take one of those uh, as our gift to you today. For the rest of us, uh, we are just a couple weeks away from May 17th, where we will be joining together with about 10 other area churches to do some uh, serving in our community. Uh, we're getting involved in the park district and, and doing some some cleaning up projects inside and outside. And we had a meeting about it the other day, and I was able actually to claim this area. I thought this would be nice. We know where this is. And it's also a good way to be able to give back to the school and say thanks for uh, the time that they've allowed us to be able to, to be in here. So if you're planning on doing that, you know, you can go ahead and check that off in the card today. But as you're leaving, where the coat racks normally are, and if you've not been here before and you wonder where that is, ask somebody. Where are the court rags normally? There's a table, gray table, and on it there are some forms that say Fusion Registration Form. We need to know that you're planning on participating. So even if you emailed us about that, we at least need this part on the backfield out that says, if I cut off my hand with the weed whacker, I'm not holding the park district responsible for my stupidity. So um, you've got you to fill that part out and make sure you leave those forms on the table today. I'll remind you at the end too, but I know sometimes we just, we need to hear it more than once to make sure it sinks in. So 
We are um, in this series called Be Like Jesus. And it's not possible to do a series called Be Like Jesus without spending some time talking about his spiritual practices and specifically his patterns of prayer. How did Jesus pray? What did Jesus pray? Why did Jesus pray? So what we're going to do today is open with the reading that we assigned for this past week for you to read. And remember, you're looking at that passage and you're asking two questions. What did Jesus do? And how can I imitate Jesus? What am I supposed to do that looks like what Jesus did? So I'd like to go ahead and read that passage aloud right now. It's found in Luke chapter 11, starting with verse 1. It says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You said to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, Don't bother me. The door is locked during the night. My family and I are in bed. We can't help you right now. I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find it. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who seeks, finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, would you give them a snake? Or, or if they ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? Well, of course not. So, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Well, as we get started talking about prayer, it would be a good idea right now to engage our Heavenly Father and talk to him. Father in heaven, I'm grateful that you didn't leave us to wonder how we're supposed to communicate with you. I thank you for the patterns and practices of Jesus that teach us how we can pray and how we should pray. I pray that as we look at his life today, we would find it enriching our own life and patterns of prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first 13 verses of Luke 11 record some of the key teachings of Jesus on prayer. We really, we learn a lot about prayer from these passages. Today our focus is not so much to look at those teachings, but to look at his practices. What did he do? That's what this series has been about. Not to just look at his teaching, but what was his action? What did he do? And it was the first eight words of this chapter that we want to zero in on that say once jesus was in a certain place praying again and again and again in the gospels we see jesus wandering off to pray to spend time with his father i would dare guess that some of the strongest images in your mind of jesus those artist renditions that that are in your head involve jesus praying 
It may be some of these classic images from the garden where Jesus is is crying out uh, to be spared from death and yet says, your will be done, not mine. Maybe it's an image of Jesus with his hands lifted to the sky and he's holding food in those hands and he's, and he's blessing that food before he gives it to a crowd or gives it to his disciples. Or maybe your images of him blessing little children, putting his hands on them and praying for them in that moment. These images and passages remind us that Jesus prayed and that if we want to be like Jesus, we need to be people who spend time praying as well. Sometime it would, it would be a really good thing for you to take a tool like BibleGateway.com. This is a, a great tool found on the internet that you can do something that you used to have to do in a really thick book. I had this book called a Concordance, and you'd look up where things were found in the Bible. You'd look up a word and how it appeared all throughout. Now you can do this on the internet, multiple versions. And one, what I'd encourage you to do is go to a site like, like BibleGateway.com and just spend some time looking at... Um, how Jesus prayed and and what Jesus' prayer life was all about. So you could punch in a word like prayer or praying or prayed and scroll through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to study the prayer life of Jesus. As you do that, we have some questions for you to ask of those verses. And we actually printed them on the backside of your folder so that you can take them with you today. They're questions like this. Where did Jesus pray? What was the location or, or um, when did Jesus pray? Both in terms of time of day as well as what was the occasion that caused him to pray? Why did Jesus pray? I mean, think about it. God the Son is talking to God the Father. In a sense, God is talking to himself. Why was Jesus praying? What was that all about? How did Jesus pray? What did Jesus pray? For whom did Jesus pray? And there's another important question, too, and that's the question of context. What happened just before and just after this verse? So what was the occasion just to either side that caused Jesus to enter into a time of prayer? Now, you can do this. You don't don't need a master's divinity to look up these verses and ask these basic questions. And as you do, there are three other things that we want to be asking. What did Jesus do in this passage? What should I be doing in light of what Jesus did? And finally, specifically, we ask Jesus himself to allow his spirit to enlighten us. Ask the same question that the disciples asked 2,000 years ago. Lord, teach us to pray. Help us to understand how we're supposed to pray. So I'd like to actually do that right now. Just give you about 15 seconds of silence and pray these words to Jesus. Lord, teach me to pray like you. Go ahead in your heart. This is the cry of our hearts, God. We need to learn how to pray. We need to learn how to communicate with you. And we want Jesus as our master and our teacher to show us how. Help us to see that as we look at the patterns of his life. Amen. So, let's look at this Luke 11, 1 passage and ask the questions. You got the questions? They're there on your folder. You can look at them. Where did Jesus pray? Well, the passage says a certain place. 
Not very specific, just a certain place. When did Jesus pray? We don't know from the passage. Why did Jesus pray? We don't know from the passage. How did Jesus pray? We don't know from this passage. What did Jesus pray? We don't know from this passage. Feeling a pattern? For whom did Jesus pray? We don't know from this passage. What's the context? Well, we can't figure that out a little bit. We don't know necessarily what happened just before. Luke begins with the word once. And he's using that word to basically say, this isn't chronological. The thing that happened just before is not necessarily the exact thing that happened just before Jesus went off to pray. But what we do know is what happened right after he's prayed. His disciples come to him and ask him to teach them. It inspires a teachable moment. Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. Remember, this is why the 12 are following Jesus. They're his students. They're his disciples. They were there to learn. What spiritual question could be more fundamental than teach me how to talk to God? Teach me how to talk to God the way you talk to God. That's what a rabbi, that's what a teacher would do with his disciples. He he would teach them common spiritual practices. He'd teach them how to understand Scripture. Somehow they knew that John the Baptist, who was a a teacher in his own right and had disciples of his own, had taught his disciples how to pray. And so now they were asking, teach us the way John taught his disciples. So I'm looking at this, I'm asking the question, how can I be like Jesus in light of this? And, And this is one of the ways we can be like Jesus. We can get caught praying. We can get caught praying. Jesus was caught by his disciples. They saw him, and in seeing him praying, it caused them to say, show us how. We want to learn how to pray the way you pray. In your case, your disciples may not be a group of 12 people you've called. It may be ankle biters, little people that are around your house, or, or teenage people around your house. It may be nieces or nephews or grandchildren, spiritual and as well as physical, uh, spiritual as well as physical kids. You, this isn't about putting on a show. We don't, we don't put on some act of piety to make ourselves look impressive. But we need to be willing to put ourselves in scenarios where the people that are in our lives might look at something we're doing and ask, what are you doing? Why are you doing? What, what is that all about? Why do you pray? What do you pray how do you pray? Now, this I don't know why, but this is something through the years I've kind of had an aversion to. I, I don't, in my house, I don't get caught praying. Not because I don't pray, but because this is what happens. My office is in the basement. And for my ordination, Kim bought me a kneeler. And I love to pray at the kneeler. But as people are coming down to my space, I can hear them coming down the steps. And so as they're coming down the steps, if I'm praying, I quick get up and go sit at my desk like I'm doing something else. And I'm reading this passage. I'm like, what's your deal? Why, why are you? I mean, there are worse things to get caught doing. Why in the world are you worried about getting caught praying? Jesus allowed this to be a teachable moment where he didn't say, today's lesson will be on prayer. But instead, his disciples were saying, we just watched you do that. Why don't you show us how? Perhaps if we put ourselves in that position, people in our lives would look and say, what are you doing there? What can I learn? What can we teach someone from the way we pray? Part of the lesson for me, and I think for all of us, is that we ought to be willing to get caught praying. And we actually miss out on teachable moments 
those moments when our kids or a spiritual uh, uh, partner might ask, why do you pray? What do you pray? How long do you pray? Why do you kneel when you pray? What's your prayer life all about? Clearly, Jesus was not just putting on a show. He wasn't just trying to create a moment where his disciples would, would ask him a question. He was sincerely talking to God. And his good example raised a question. They wanted to be like Jesus, and so they wanted to pray. We want to be like Jesus, and so one of the things we can do is get caught praying. And I'd like to go ahead and look at another verse. We're just going to look at a, a few passages from the Bible, just like we suggested, going through kind of a concordance and saying, okay, look at the word prayer and the context in which Jesus prayed. So Luke 5.16 is another one of these passages. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Now, what we need to do here is broaden our perspective a little bit. What's happening here? What causes Jesus to withdraw, to go away to the wilderness and pray? Well, if you, if you were to look at the greater context of, of Luke chapter 5, what we have is a man who has leprosy. Leprosy is a dreadful disease, both physically and socially. Not only were you ill, but you were considered quite contagious, and therefore you were an outcast from the community. This is one of the people in the times of Jesus that if you had leprosy, you had to scream that you were unclean. Talk about something that gets stuck in your head. You know, somebody's coming close to you. Don't come, don't come near me. I have a disease. Stay away from me. Jesus doesn't stay away. Jesus walks up to him, and Jesus heals him. And then Jesus does something in this passage that he does from time to time with people that he heals. In verse 14, he says, but keep this between us. Don't tell anyone else. Verse 15, the one right after, tells us this. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Why does Jesus often withdraw to the wilderness to pray? Because he's being pressed from every side. I mean, he just constant demands on his life. And it is in this context that the Bible tells us that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Now, there are three key words we want to look at in this passage. Often, withdrew, and wilderness. Jesus understood the need for the balance between the public pressure that was on him constantly and a private devotional time with God, a private relationship with God. He knew that his public ministry would be diminished if his private ministry was not maintained. He needed that time with God. Further, he knew that his soul would simply implode under the weight of the demands placed on him in his life. So often he withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Often, not once in a while, not just in the case of an emergency. That's, that's a lot of us in our prayer life, right? Our, our best prayers come when, when life's falling apart. That's when we start talking to God. Jesus had a habit of prayer. It happened often. He made it a habit. He made it a, a practice. I think to some degree, physical training is instructive here. Several of, of our church family have, have been involved in races. I mean, big races, marathons, 10Ks, you know, really a, an extended time of, of running. 
In fact, uh, recently a, a bunch of our gang did the, the Rockdale run, 10K run. It's funny because I was, I was checking on the details on this. I couldn't remember if it was 6K or 10K. And so I looked it up on the website, and I couldn't help but notice that somehow two of our guys have ended up on the website. I'm not sure if this is because they were fast starters or these are guys that finished four hours after the race. But nonetheless, they're up there. They're there. What do we learn from them and their running? You know, you can, if you want to, go run a marathon without training. And you can look forward to probably not finishing and to doing incredibly destructive things to your body, really hurting yourself. In fact, if you want a a great conversation about this, talk to Roger Swank, our resident running coach, and he will give you a great conversation about the body's need to adapt. You don't just go out there and do the biggest run. You've got to let your body adapt over time. That principle in running is very similar to what happens in prayer. The spiritual benefits of prayer are not realized by emergency-only prayer, by occasional prayer. They're realized when we do like Jesus, when we pray often. Jesus prayed often, often enough that his disciples recognized it as a pattern, as a life-changing pattern, as a practice that made a difference in his life, and so they wanted to learn about it too. There are two other words that we said we're going to focus on, wilderness and withdrew. Both words convey the idea that Jesus got away. He got away, that he was alone. He spent time away and alone. The land of Israel provides some absolutely beautiful places to get alone, wilderness spaces. Even today in modern times, you can go to the Dead Sea area and, and, and the, the silence there is so, it's so oppressive, it's palpable. You can, you can feel the deadly silence. Now, we don't live in the land of Israel. We, here's our nature. You know what I mean? This is, this is our wilderness. What do we, what do, we do here where we, where we don't live near a desert? It's like, okay, I don't have to pray. I'm not near a wilderness. You, the issue is not location. We don't need a, a desert to be spiritual. The, the wilderness idea is the idea that Jesus was alone. He was alone. We need, he needed to get away from the crowd. He needed to be alone with God. Your soul is craving for time to be away from your demands, withdrawing, and alone with God in your wilderness. Now, your demands may be your kids, your job, your ministry, your place you serve, your, your schoolwork, running from sport to sport and activity to activity. Your soul needs to withdraw often to your wilderness to pray. I can admit to you that for me, this is a little easier at this stage of life than it was just a few years ago. I think back to when we lived on Avalon and our kids were little. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a really big house, a really big space. So, like, how do I get, how do I, I had to create a wilderness there. And the wilderness there was down in my basement, at a little corner in the basement. And this is the way I created my wilderness, right here. I'm not kidding. I go down in the morning, and I put in my earplugs. And I had to do this. Oh, I can't, I can't think. Hold on. There we go. All right. I had to do this, like, before they woke up. So it required getting up a little earlier. You, We have to be creative about our wilderness. We have to find that place that we can get away, that we can get alone and spend some time with God. Jesus, of course, didn't have the demands of of spouse and children. He just had hundreds and thousands of people wanting things from him. No big deal. 
all the time somebody wanted something from Jesus. He needed to withdraw. He needed to go to the wilderness. I've talked about it before. For me these days, my wilderness is that stretch along the I&M Canal. Just being able to go and take a a two-mile walk out and a two-mile walk back and be in a place that's quiet, not many people, and and just a place that's natural and beautiful. If we want to be like Jesus, we need to identify our wilderness, a place that we can be alone a bit, that we can visit often in order to spend time in the presence of God. So if we're to continue going through verses in the Bible, verse after verse, I just talk about Jesus praying, prayer, prayed, looking at that. Here are some of them that you'd run into. For example, you might see in Luke's chapter 6 and in verse 12 that Jesus spent an entire night praying to God. And then the next day he woke up, he, he, he went out and, and selected his disciples that Jesus would spend extended time in prayer before there was a major decision made in his life. Maybe there's something instruction, instructive there for us. We collect all of our data. We get all of our information. But if we actually spend time talking to God about this, seeking his guidance and his blessing on major decisions. If you were to go to Luke chapter 3, this one's kind of interesting. It tells us that Jesus prayed at his baptism. And in fact, as he was praying, that's when the spirit came down in the form of the dove and the voice came. This is my beloved son. To be like Jesus, prayer needs to be a a part of these significant spiritual moments of our lives. Moments of commitment, moments of, of dedication for service. And then, of course, there's Luke 22, as well as in the other gospels where we see Jesus praying in the garden. Spending time in the garden praying before his death. This is what we read. The Bible says he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then this beautiful, and then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Jesus prayed in the moment of his greatest struggle in his life. I think he paints a picture for us, too, that it's okay to come to God in our moments of greatest struggle. He prayed when he knew death was at the door. He prayed when he wanted to avoid that death. The prayer in the garden just packs so many lessons for us. Even the fact that the disciples couldn't keep their eyes open. They tried, but they couldn't. And Jesus says, pray, pray so that you won't give in to temptation. Don't don't give in. Uh, Reading the whole passage, it says, "At, at last he stood up again and returned to his disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so you will not give in to temptation. As I read that passage, I was, I was caught by those words, exhausted from grief. Have you been there? Have you gone through a season of pain, of suffering, of grief that was so intense that it just left you, it left you depleted and exhausted? And I don't know about you, when I am depleted and exhausted, it's hard to pray. 
Prayer requires some concentration, right? And there you are. And on top of that, what are you doing? You're talking to God about the thing in your life right now that's most miserable. What you want to do is forget it. And instead, there you are talking to God about it, using all your energy to talk about it. And the disciples literally just found themselves so exhausted from grief that they couldn't keep their eyes open. I'm going to share something with you that might, that might strengthen you in those moments. It's, it's a passage found in the book of Romans, chapter 8, beginning with verse 26. It says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. This moment of weakness for you might be the moment where you're exhausted from grief. For example, we don't know what God wants us, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. There are times that our hearts are so heavy that we just want to fall asleep. We're exhausted from grief. We can't concentrate. And in those moments, the best way that we can pray is to just make ourselves present to God. Just be there before Him. I think of Elijah, exhausted from the, from the encounter on Mount Carmel and then going off into the wilderness. And there he is, and he's just standing in the mouth of the cave. And he's just present. He's just present there with God. Just being still long enough to know who God is and that he's still God. In my moment of intense grief, God promises that in our moments of pain and confusion, of grief and despair, that the Spirit will do the talking for us if we simply make ourselves present to God. Maybe that's where you are right now. You're just like, I am so depleted, there's no way I could pray. Then just be there in the presence of God and let the Spirit do the talking for you. Just say it. God, I don't know what to say. But I'm here. I'm here. The next verse, verse 28, is the one that's common to many of us. In fact, we, we alluded to it in a song this morning. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Luke told us that Jesus was in such agony of spirit that these drops are falling from his forehead. He's, he's praying so intensely. The pain he was about to endure in death was unbearable. Yet in those moments of prayer, his desires came into alignment with God's desires. And he embraced his Father's will. He was able to affirm the truth of Romans 8.28. That everything truly does work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. When we pray and our hearts are deeply grieved... Like Jesus, we get that moment to stand in the, cave, in the mouth of the cave and say, I'm here. That's the best I can do right now. Knowing that the Spirit will do the talking for us. And at the same time, knowing that when we're willing to place ourselves in the presence of God, when we're willing to be there with Him, ultimately, His will will become our will as well. I want you to look at one more passage with me today, and that's in in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. It says, In the days of his flesh, 
Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. I like the way the passage starts in this particular version. In the days of his flesh. It might just say, while he was on earth, but in the days of his flesh. We too are in the days of our flesh. One day we will exist beyond this existence. But for now, we are in the days of our flesh, bound by a house of skin and bones. In the days of his flesh, Jesus prayed. He cried out to God with tears to be saved from death. He prayed, he cried out, he shed tears. He talked to the only one who could save him from death. And in all of this, the passage tells us what happened. He learned obedience through what he suffered. He learned how to have his heart come in alignment with the will of the Father. Now, think about this. If Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, had to depend on prayer during his days in the flesh, how much more do we need to pray? Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you really want to be like Jesus? It is not possible without developing a life of prayer. Time spent away and alone, withdrawing to your wilderness, sometimes being caught by someone else and being willing to answer, this is how you pray. Sometimes just standing in the doorway of the cave and saying, I don't even know what to say, but I'm here. I'm here. I'd like to close with this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And we're going to, you know, there are a lot of different versions these days. So we're going to go back to the old-fashioned version, not Greek, but English, with the these and the thous. Would you go ahead and pray this prayer aloud with me right now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In just a couple of moments, we're going to take communion. The word communion is pretty amazing itself. It talks about having a union with God, communication with God. And in these moments, we're, we're going to spend some time reflecting. What we want to do is, is start our time together with just, just a time of prayer, silent prayer. In fact, we even created a little extra space this morning in the rows. If you want to just begin in this moment, we're going to take about a minute to just pray. And, and maybe right now, you'll just go ahead and kneel in this place. Maybe your prayer this morning is, God, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. Maybe there's something very specific that you know you need to talk to God about. If not anything else, to say, I'm ready to start praying often. Maybe it's dedicating your wilderness. You know where it is, and you're saying, God, this is this, is this place. This is a space that I want to be dedicated to you. But let's take some time here before the elements are served, just in quiet prayer. And then we're going to sing a song that is a prayer. I mean, it talks about being down on our knees, surrendering ourselves to God. And again, don't just sing the words, pray the words. And while we're singing that song, communion will come to us. 
and you can take the bread and the cup. And whenever you're ready to eat and drink it, go ahead. But use this as a moment to just engage God in prayer. Again, if you want to kneel, you can. You don't have to. The space is there for you to do that. Let's just spend some time in quiet prayer now.
You've heard the prayer of our hearts, God. You know our desire. Our desire for Jesus to teach us how to pray. Our desire that the Spirit pray for us when we are unable. Help us to be more like Jesus. To find ourselves often withdrawing to our wilderness. To be alone with you and away from the demands of life. We pray this in the name of our Lord. Amen. Servers are going to come right now and receive the offering. Make sure you put your card in there as it's passed. And just want to remind you again of what we talked about at the beginning with uh, the Fusion Day coming up on May 17th. Uh, It's a great opportunity for churches in the area to gather together. And as the verse says, uh, let them see our good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. We have uh, indoor as well as outdoor jobs to be done. So there's some stuff. In fact, this entire area, you know, the whole park district going all the way up to Route 6. There's some indoor things in terms of washing toys and whatever, as well as outdoor work of weeding and, and mulching and all just a wide variety of opportunities. The intention is to arrive uh, at 8 o'clock for registration and the day will end around noon. So, so it's that whole Saturday morning. If for some reason you're only able to come to park, that's okay. You know where this is. You can go ahead and show up, spend an hour working, helping out, and, and, and you can be on your way. But it's important for us to, um, again, have the, the side of the form. You don't have to necessarily fill out both sides. The main thing we need is that, that release of liability for the sake of the park district. And then on this side, it does indicate that if you want to get a T-shirt, you can. And the T-shirt has that logo on it on the front, as well as the name of all the, church, names of all the churches on the back. So, and those T-shirts, the original thing that was sent out said they were $7. Apparently, they got a deal because now they're down to 6 Keep going. Who knows? They may, they may be paying you to take them. But anyway, there they are. So what you'll register for that on your way out. And again, that's where the coat racks normally are, which is just outside of the school offices as you're walking out of the hallway and leaving today. So make sure you go ahead and do that. The other thing I just I want to keep uh, in your mind is all the stuff that's coming up throughout the rest of May. I mean, it's going to be a really fun month as we, as we um, spend some time at the end of the month, for example, at the warehouse having a Memorial Day service there. And then the week after, we'll have a service that will start there and we'll head out to this. 
Yeah, we're going to get to go and actually be near the building. Get everybody on out there. Check out. You can finally reserve your parking spot. It can be yours. Yeah, yeah woo, here's my parking spot. But uh, this picture was cool. What they did this past week is put the, the stone inside of the foundation. That's not the slab yet, but that's the stone. So just beyond the cones, that's where we'll be worshiping uh, starting in December. And then the next image gives you an idea of the, the view basically down the hallway. The classrooms would be basically right in front of us all the way down at the end is where our elementary school kids meet and along the side is a hallway off in this side of the picture that you can't see or some couches and, and to this side is the very important coffee that's there all the time so and this is what will be happening this week they're going to be taking all the, the the gerbil tubes and burying them all around so that the water goes to all the right places and the the storm sewer is taken care of really well and it's my understanding that um Sometime late this week or early next week, that's when the shipment of steel will come and plant itself on the property, and they'll start to put that steel up, and you'll get a really good picture of what's going on with the property. So the first Sunday of June, that service will start at the warehouse, and then we'll be wandering on over to the property. Uh, From what I understand, they're not going to want us to go, like, actually under the steel, you know, might not be totally bolted in. And how many waiver forms can a church sign? You know, come on. So anyway, but we'll at least be able to be out there around it and and spend some time doing some, I think, some really spiritually significant things that it'll be cool someday to look back and say, I was there the day they, but I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. So it's it's going to be a really really great day to be together. So make sure make sure you get that part of your folder and write down. We have already when the summer service is going to be at Four Rivers. Just make sure you're tracking with that calendar as it goes along. And one of the things on your calendar is next week, which is Mother's Day. And I say that to remind you, yeah, card, gift, don't forget that. Flowers, those are important. But also bring your mom to church. Let's spend some time together worshiping God together as a family. So we're going to close now with a song that talks about part of what we're praying. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's sing this together as a prayer to our God and stand as we sing.
Have a wonderful day and we'll see you next week. What people say of me when I'm only just a memory. When I'm home where my soul belongs. Was I love but no one else would show up? Was I Jesus to the least of us? Was my worship more than just a song?